Tonight, our, the topic of our sermon tonight is going to be something that's been very dear to my wife and I for a long time. It's called hospitality. And is it for every Christian? Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get started. Father, thank you very much for blessing us tonight, Lord, with the ability to be here, that uh, where our country is loosening up some, Father. And we pray, Father, that uh, you'll guide us especially as a nation through the time we're in right now. We pray, Father, for wisdom for our leaders. It sure would be wonderful if it wasn't so politicized, Father, but we pray that uh, you will be in control as you always are, doing what you do, and Lord, we'll come out on the winning side because Jesus Christ is our Savior and our Lord and the one whom we lift up in praise. And Lord, we know that you are the great comforter and you give us great strength. So in this difficult time, Father, this challenging time, we will feel your presence. And Lord, use this as an opportunity to draw closer to you and realize just how helpless we are sometimes without you in our lives. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity now to open your word a little bit and discover some things that we probably ought to know about being hospitable with one another, both in our homes, in our church, in our community, and so on. So thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, be seated. Thank you. Our theme verse for tonight is Romans chapter 15, verse 7. You might want to keep your Bibles handy because I'm going to hop around a little bit in various places. It says to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Hospitality you might think of as opening your home or just being a nice, friendly person, but it's a whole lot more than that. Most of us would probably think of hospitality as the custom of feeding our family and our friends and our neighbors in our home setting, and in some cases may even extend an invitation or two to spend a night or two with us. There was a time when that was quite common before we had all the hotels and motels around, but people used to have each other in their home quite often. In the Bible, hospitality is not a small matter at all. In fact, it is part of the Scripture from beginning to end, we go back from Abraham to the apostles, and you'll see God calling his people to greet one another with a lot of love and a lot of concern. So please turn with your Bibles now to Genesis chapter 18, verses 2 through 5, if you would. Interesting scripture. There's a lot to it, and I'm not going to exegete the entire passage here. I want to pluck one thing out of here that I see that is very, very important, that we see hospitality taking place in back in Abraham's time and how important it was for him to do so. It says here, He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Notice who he was addressing here. Let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread, that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. Now in the church today, the command to welcome one another is in the Lord is still just as emphatic and important as it was back in Abraham's day. 
there was a lot going on in this particular passage that I'm not going to go into, but it would be a wonderful time th- passage for you to study and see some things that are quite important in this particular passage. But the one thing I wanted to pluck out of here was that Abraham was using hospitality to do what he needed to do in the situation he was in. Although there are many avenues and ways where hospitality can be applied, I want us to even look this evening to look at the subject from the perspective of hospitality in your home and hospitality here in the church environment. So let's start with hospitality in the home. In the New Testament, we find in 3 John, verse 8, a commending of the believers to welcome into their homes those who had gone out for the sake of the name of Jesus. The Apostle Paul makes hospitality a necessary part also of the elder's life, as you see in Scripture. One of the requirements of being an elder is to be hospitable. 1 Timothy 3.2 says this, An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, and here it is, hospitable, able to teach. I believe he's also teaching this from the perspective that church, church leaders and shepherds of the church need to be a good examples to the church. So it starts with the leadership if you're going to have a church that is really good at hospitality. And Paul's not teaching here that if you're not an elder, you have an exemption from this requirement. So in the life of a Christian today, it's just as important to follow the command of welcoming one another in the Lord today as it was in ancient times. So please turn to Titus 1.8. He says, Be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Here's another scripture that tells us, be hospitable. In the first century, however, hospitality was a very risky business just as it would be today if you were taking in strangers into your home. It's not something, it's kind of a practice we do today as they once did back then. However, there may come a time when circumstances may change things. What season are we in right now? Hurricane season, aren't we? It just started. You say, well, what's that got to do with hospitality? Well, if you remember back in October 18th of 2018, 2018, Mexico Beach, Florida. What happened there? A Category 5 hurricane slammed into them, winds 160 miles an hour, and if you look at the pictures today of that town, there's not much there. There's a few homes left, a few pieces of other homes left, but not a whole lot there. Those people became homeless at that time. And there are stories of people that lived farther away from there, whose homes were intact, that actually took some of these families in. You and I may have that happen here at some point. We've never had a Cat 5 come directly off the ocean. But if you remember many years ago, we were close. You remember Hurricane Hugo? I got a phone call one night late warning me that Hugo was headed straight for Daytona Beach. We had an oceanfront business at that time. So we were deeply concerned. At the last minute, that thing turned and stayed 100 miles out and went up and hit Myrtle Beach and really wreaked havoc on that town. It was a, I think it was a Cat 4 by the time it got to Myrtle Beach. So these things can happen in our community. 
So we need to be ready to help and to be hospitable in different ways if that should happen here in Daytona. We pray that it won't. But you know the rain falls on the just as well as the unjust. And you and I, just because we're Christians, do not make us immune from catastrophe in our lives. It happens. I'm very fortunate to be alive. I had a quintuplet bypass a few years ago. Some of you have had it done. Some of you have had things go wrong in your lives, and God has kept you alive for a purpose. Your work is not done yet. So if you get the opportunity to be hospitable in that way, if, if something should arise in your life that is unexpected, take advantage of it. Please turn to Isaiah chapter 58, verses 6 to 8, if you would like. He says here, Is this not the fast that I choose, to loose the bond of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Now, the part I want to emphasize here, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him, not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing spring forth speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. It's, we ought to be prepared to take in people from time to time if the need arises. It only takes a few seconds for a disaster to strike and you find yourself in need of someone else's hospitality. It wasn't too long ago that we had the tornadoes in Deland that came across there and wiped out an entire neighborhood of houses. We went over there. I was with the disaster relief team at the time, went over. People just sitting there numb from the destruction. They had no place to go. Their homes were destroyed. There was one old lady in her 80s sitting on a trundle bed that she laid upon. Everything had fallen on top of her, and the trundle bed actually saved her life because the beams, she was low enough that the armrests on the trundle bed were high enough when the beams landed on it, they didn't crush her. And then she sat there, lit a cigarette, and was thankful she was still alive. <laughs> it, it was, there was a little bit of humor in the whole thing. But it was quite, my wife remembers that. She was there. But uh, <clears throat> it only takes a few seconds. When I was seven years old, we had just moved to Florida just shortly there, that, before that. We had a wonderful Christmas. People sent us all kinds of presents from up north. We lived in a shack at the time. I mean, a real shack, just like you'd see in the movies with the Beverly Hillbillies. And uh, one, one afternoon, I was home with my, fam my sisters. My parents were at work. This was a school day. It was after school, probably about 4 o'clock. My oldest sister hollers, fire, fire, fire. I mean, just hollering, screaming, panicking. We run out of the house. I dropped one shoe. And it wasn't but a few minutes, the house was engulfed in, in flames. And by within an hour, the house was flattered aboard, down on the ground like a, coal, a bunch of coals getting ready for a barbecue. That's how fast it burned down. Well, we were homeless. All we had left was the clothes on, one car. My parents had jobs. We had no clothes other than what we had on. Thank God for the, the hospitality of our neighborhood. People gathered things, gave us clothes. The fire department went around and gathered and raised $100 for us. And one of the families said, you can come sleep on our living room floor tonight. And we had a place to sleep. A sweet Mexican couple who hadn't been in the country too long said, you can come live with us until you can find a place. And we went down the street and moved in with them. 
and people showered us with gifts. This is what hospitality does, good hospitality in a community does. I hope that doesn't happen to you, but if it does, be thankful for the people that will respond. Today we have a lot of resources to help us recover from disasters. Most of the potential obstacles that may come along, we, we somehow have ways of getting around them some, now because we have a lot of resources. But let me ask this question again. Is a hospitality a command for all Christians? Is it something we're all supposed to be part of? Well, turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 13, if you want to. It's a very straight-to-the-point scripture. It says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Now, if that isn't straightforward, I don't know what is. So, turn to 1 Peter 4, 9, if you want. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. I like that one. I like that one. We all, from time to time, have fears about entertaining people and taking them into our home to do things. We wrongfully engage. We sometimes compare ourselves to someone we know that's better at it maybe than we are. Maybe they have more resources. Maybe they have a nicer home than, you, than we have. When you have, give a dinner or a banquet, we're supposed to do it with the best of our ability, with whatever we have. It doesn't matter what you really have. But just because we don't measure up doesn't mean to somebody else, doesn't mean you can't do it. Luke chapter 14, verse 12 to 14. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, here it is, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When I read this scripture, I think of so many opportunities that can come along in our lives to minister to people that can't do things for us that we do for them. Just because you might have resources for somebody doesn't mean they're going to be able to reciprocate. We should never be giving and doing with the expectation that we're going to get paid back for giving and doing. Now, if you're investing in the stock market or something, that's a different story. You know, you, you hope to get a return. But when you're investing in people as Christians, claiming the spirit of Christ in our lives, we need to be looking at it from the framework of what we can do regardless of whatever God is going to send our way as a blessing in our lives because he will bless us in ways. So when it comes to personally offering hospitality, both my wife and I had parents that always opened their homes no matter how limited the resources were. And we always had people over when we were growing up. And you know, there's other ways of giving to people with hospitality other than having them in your home. We have a war ministry here at this church. We have ladies who are dedicated to going up to Bunnell and sharing the gospel with the ladies up there who are in rehabilitation for drugs and addictions up there. And they go up there unselfishly and give of themselves their graciousness, their generosity, and they're showing hospitality to them in a different way. It may not be in their homes, but it really doesn't matter to them what they're going to get from these ladies because they can't get anything. They go unselfishly to go. 
once in a while, one of the gals will call and thank somebody in the group because they've made contact with that person. Some of these ladies take the time to get to know these women. Even after they get out, they have contact with them, and they try to encourage them and be encouragers for them, pray with them, uh, give them scripture if need be, whatever they, good work, the word that they need, and they try to help them in that way. I came from a poor family, and we lived in a small flat roof house after we built where that shack had burned down after the fire, with six of us living there, and we filled it up a lot of times with people, that little bitty house. We fixed whatever we had. It never dawned on us that our place was too small or embarrassing, perhaps, to some people it might have been, but we didn't think of it that way. My dad's attitude was, if you don't like my home, you don't have to come, you know. That's how he looked at it. It's okay. But some of the greatest, most instructive times that you will have in your life, and particularly for your children, was when you're sitting around the table and you're having discussions and conversations. One of the greatest times to talk about God's Word is sitting around the table. You have a, you have a captive audience. You're around there at that table. We used to discuss all kinds of things, and the preacher used to always come over about once or twice a week because my father was one of the lay leaders in the Methodist church we were in at the time, and so he would come there and unload with my dad. I got to sit and listen to that. So it was very instructive for me to grow up listening to those kinds of things around the dinner table. And grandparents, those of you who have grandchildren and you have grandchildren over or you go to their house, great time to share things with them about the Lord. Wonderful time. So breaking bread together offers so much opportunity to connect with people in ways that you would not have done otherwise, especially for your young children. Very, very important. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Now, we usually assume that hospitality falls on the shoulders of the ladies in our households. Well, preparing to entertain can bring a lot of pressure on a wife. I know because I watch my wife when she's getting ready to do things. It's a lot of pressure. So we work as a team. And men, I encourage you to do your very best to love your wives as Christ loved the church. And you can extrapolate that into men, help your wives as Christ probably would if he were there. Do what you can to help them. I chop vegetables. I do things. I do dishes, things like that. Whatever you're good at in the kitchen, if you are good at something, do it. Dump the trash, whatever needs to be done. Be her biggest cheerleader as she sacrifices her time to entertain in your home and bring glory to God. Now, I do know that some of you men like to cook, and you do the cooking. That's okay if you and your wife are happy with it. But in the reverse, wife help, wives help your husbands get the meal ready if he's the one doing the cooking. You see this a lot, especially when you got the grill out, and the men usually go outside and they do the grilling. So, single saints. I know many of you open your home or your apartment to friends and often do this with a group effort. And as you build relationships, you can assist one another. Some of the best friendships are built through hospitality. And I want to talk about this a little bit. Always remember to be generous when you are assisting someone. Be mindful of the chores that are necessary after the party is over. 
after the evening is over. Many times, my wife and I, when we finish up, if people, the last person leaves, there's still a lot of work to be done. Now, some, we have a lot of friends that do help us and are very, very good about it when we have something, a function in our house, a big function. If it's a small function, it doesn't matter. But when it's late at night, my wife and I will use that as our talking time. And we sit and we, we stand there and chat and clean everything up as much as we want that evening. Usually we get most of it done because we won't have to do it the next day. So it's a very important part to be a team and work together as a team. <clears throat> so men, you be helpful in the kitchen if your wife needs you. Hospitality can also be done outside the home in an outside atmosphere like a restaurant or something. In fact, a lot of people now, we eat out. It's a common practice. Now, we've been cooped up a lot the last two months. I understand that. But people are getting out now. Be careful, but go out and enjoy yourselves again because those dear businesses need to stay open. So help them as much as you can to do that. And be creative and utilize the resources you have if you're going to invite people to go out with you, other friends and stuff. But some of the deepest conversations you're going to have with people usually do not occur in restaurants because there's a lot of people around. But there are certain restaurants that are conducive for conversation. Other restaurants are not. So if we be honest with ourselves, with ourselves we probably do not carry out the command to be hospitable as much as we ought. So in order to meet God's calling, I suggest that we make it a priority to start being intentional when you go out with people outside of the home and when you do it within your home. It's very, very important to keep your homes open. Our, church would, our churches in general would flourish if we paid a lot of attention to hospitality. This church is very good about it. I'm not speaking to you to be critical tonight about this subject. I'm here to encourage you to do what you're doing if you're doing it. And those of you who are still struggling with it, be glad to help you if I can in doing this. My wife and I both have are, are, are been doing it so long, over half a century. So we've been married 51 years. So now let's shift gears a little. And I want to move to hospitality at church. So in the church today, the command to welcome one another in the Lord is just as important as it has ever been. And as our church begins to open up following the COVID-19 shutdown, this would be a great time to ask ourselves how we could be hospitable in ways that would express our love for our Savior. May we remind ourselves we're to love our neighbor as ourselves, and making hospitality a priority in the church to, is to glorify God. Remember the scripture we started out with. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And this goes beyond the good music. It goes beyond good preaching, good teaching programs. Right here at church, we want to make sure that we give special attention to hospitality as people come in and out of our church. So to accomplish this, we're going to have to go far beyond greeting people that take place at the entrances. I want to thank all of you that do greet at the entrance. Very important part of our church. That's the first contact new people are going to have with our church is what they see at that entrance. But it doesn't stop there. You see, we have a responsibility to make sure we're committed to making disciples out of people and sharing the love of Christ with them. So we should feel a happy burden on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights 
to look for people we don't yet know. Greet them, and maybe, just maybe, after church, make it a point to take them to lunch, if you can, if it's feasible for you to do that. So, what follows here, as I'm getting at, there are five practices that I've found that may be helpful in loving others as a church to show those who gather with us how to experience the love of God. Number one, very obvious thing, pray. Imagine that. No good thing happens apart from prayer. We shouldn't expect our church to be a warm, welcoming place unless we are praying for our church. Church praying is so important. Please turn to Romans 12, 12 if you like. It tells us to be faithful in prayer. It says rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation, but be constant in prayer. I don't know how many of you uh, are familiar with John Wesley and his brother Charles. Charles wrote a lot of the hymns, the old hymns that a lot of you sang growing up. Uh, A lot of you haven't sung them because we do our music a little different now. But they had a mother named Susanna Wesley. She was a very godly person. She used to take her apron, throw it over her head to pray, and she promised God she would spend as much time in prayer as she did in entertainment. Imagine doing that. She devoted two hours a day to pray before she would do her day, before she would go out and do other things. We get so distracted with everyday happenings that we often need to remind ourselves to pray more than we do. Some of the best times I have found to pray are when you wake up in the middle of the night. God sometimes places things on your mind late at night, in the middle of the night, that you need to pray for. So remember, if you wake up at night, don't waste it just thinking. Pray. It's a great time to pray. So, and when you come to church on Sunday or Wednesday or whenever we gather here, pray not only for the message and the music and the ministries that go on here, but what else is going on here? We have things at the front door. We have things in the hallway. We have a welcome station. Pray for all these things because this is where people interact with one another. This is where we make contact with one another, and we want things to happen. People come to you sometimes that you know, and they have something troubling them, and it happens here at the church. They come to you. They want to talk to you about something. Or sometimes somebody may come up to you and say, would you pray with me? I've got this coming up in my life. Would you, give, would you just take a little time to pray with me? This is a wonderful place to make it happen. Pray ahead of time that God will send you people into your life that he has prepared you for. God doesn't usually send you people that are, that are extremely complicated that you can't help. I, at least that's my experience. God seems to send people to me that I can be, help them. And if I don't know the answer to something, we have resources here. We can find the answers. Don't be afraid to help somebody when they ask you for help. Don't be afraid to speak to them. And if you don't know all the answers, that's okay. We have people here that can help you with that. So when you come to church on Wednesdays, keep your eyes and ears open and look around. There's a lot going on here. And there's things going on in people's lives that need prayer. They They need us to give them a word of encouragement. I assure you right now in this room and those watching online, 
There are needs in their lives. They have special needs. They have things going on in their life that maybe some turmoil or something in their life. Or maybe they, there's unemployed people right now that need prayer to help find a job again. There are people deeply concerned about all the things that are going wrong right now in our culture. With all, the, with all the racial problems that we're having right now, we need to deeply pray about these things. And we need to encourage one another and be ready to pray with people when these things happen. So we must never forget to pray that God will save those that do not yet know him. That's one of the reasons we're here. We're part of the Great Commission, to go into the world and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's one of our major functions to be here. We, we support missionaries in different parts of the world to spread the gospel. That's extending our hospitality from here to the missionaries or the people that we can't always have contact with over there. People who care about them, people who pray for them, people who, who labor over prayer sometimes, praying for those folks that are having extreme difficulties in other countries because they're being persecuted. And ladies that may, and men, that may come here in America before you know it, where Christians are going to have to need prayer just to survive in America. Number two, prepare to give yourself away. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 35 to 40, have this scripture. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. We come to church to feed on the Lord's faithfulness. But growing Christians should always come to church to serve one another. We may have our usual Sunday morning routines, but it also should include finding ways to care for other people. Excuse me. Disciples of church, of Christ, should not come to church with the attitude of being ministered to as ravenous consumers of some sort. Over the years, I've had on, on occasion heard people come up to me and tell me they left a particular church because they were not ministered to. Well, Just because you're not ministered to, is that the reason you come to church? You see. We may have our, our usual Sunday morning routines, and so we, 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 we look around sometimes when we come into church. We have special needs, and we expect the church to meet those needs, and if they don't meet those needs, we get all upset, and we get, we get excited. But some people, when they come here, they come because... They want to receive, and they just want to receive, and they just want to receive and be partakers. But folks, I've learned a long time ago that the most happy people I've ever known in my life, and you may find this to be true, are the givers, the people who give. And some of the most miserable people you will know are the takers. Now, we need to be very sensitive to people who come here with that kind of an attitude when they come because we need to help them. We need to minister to them. We need to be good disciples of Christ and help them to see that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive, as Jesus said. 
in Acts 20. It's not unusual to observe takers, and I've observed this, and my dad taught me this growing up. He said there are people that are going to hop around from place to place. They just do that because they give a certain amount, they, they, you know, they go to receive a certain amount, and they, and they leave, and they go to somewhere else. And that's sad. We need to be praying for those, those people. But we need to keep our eyes and our ears open as to what's going around us and be attuned to those kinds of things. Number three, keep your eyes open. Please turn to Isaiah 58, chapter, uh, verses 6 to 11, if you would like to. He says here, Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked to cover him, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer your cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and speaking the wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry, and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness." and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. The only way we can give ourselves away is if we see others who are in need, who need a word or a touch from us. It's very easy to come to church and overlook other people. I know because I'm guilty of this. We come in here at times, we run late, we run in, we sit down, we don't have time to meet anybody, we race to our seats, we miss the opportunity to meet other people in the foyer or in the main sanctuary or in other places in the church. Then the church ends and we find ourselves thinking about our next meal, we rush to fill our stomachs. Think about how many blessings we miss flying in and out of church like we're on autopilot. Today, instead of following our usual comfortable habits, what if you look around at all the people that are in this church tonight? Think about this. Some of those people very well could be your close friends and your close partners and your close spiritual comforters, special people in your life if you take time to meet some people you don't know. Because everybody that's a friend of yours at one time was probably somebody you didn't know, obvious. And you got to know them, and they became very close friends. We have a lot of dear friends in this church now that were not our friends when we belonged to a different church. But they became our friends over the years. And now we have some new friends that we've just met in the last couple of years that have become friends with us. And it's a blessing in your life when you take the time to do that. But it's not going to happen unless you engage yourselves in doing it. We miss so many opportunities. John chapter 4, verse 35. Jesus says, Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for the harvest. And nowhere does this apply more than our Wednesday and Sunday gatherings. You just might find someone in this church that doesn't know Christ yet, that needs some encouraging, that needs a word, that needs a counselor, needs an exhorter. And, 
and you might be just the right person to help them. See, the truth is, we need one another. We're social creatures. And that begins by keeping an eye on one another here in the church. Another important thing. Introduce yourselves to others. Now, this can be quite uncomfortable. I understand that. Some people's personalities are such where they don't have that, you know, rah-rah, siskinbah kind of a personality. But when we put our words into actions, we must not only pray, but think about what we might, how we might welcome other people. This is something we must, we must and we ought to do. Take time to, to, to plan how you would welcome somebody if you struggle with this. Watch other people do it. Glean off of other people. We teach each other by just watching sometimes. If turn to cha uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. Here's a direct command. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Now, this is a scripture that ties back to Gen Gen Genesis 18, if you want to do some reading, how those two go together. But do you step into conversations? Do you introduce yourself? Showing hospitality. Do you welcome others? And if not, why not? What would keep you from saying, Hi, I'm so-and-so. I don't believe we've met yet. I don't recall us meeting yet. You know, most every time that I've done that with somebody, people usually just light up like a Christmas tree. People, we all want somebody to recognize us, don't we? We want somebody to pay attention to us. We want somebody to know we're here, that we're important, that we exist. Take the time to do it. You, you will be a tremendous blessing to somebody if you introduce yourself to somebody, particularly somebody who hasn't been here before or just new here, and say, hi, I'm so-and-so. Glad to meet you. You know, look at it this way. God befriends us. And now we're called by God to befriend in John 15, 14, he, he talks about us. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And he's telling us to look after one another, to feed his sheep. 1 John 4, 7, beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. There are a lot of one another scriptures in the Bible. And uh, a couple years ago, somebody passed around the list of all the one another scriptures. There's a lot of them. But the verse says, Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God knows God. So The one another scriptures are not written for extroverts. They're written for disciples of Jesus. Disciples don't welcome in the Lord because we're more comfortable with it. We pursue hospitality because of Christ, for the glory of Christ. That's why we do it. Christ has welcomed us. We have been given the resources and the reason to welcome others. We have the Holy Spirit if you know Christ. That empowers you to do these things. Turn to Fish Peter 4.11 if you would like. He says here, Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You remember this greeting is not a calling reserved just for extroverts, but also for introverts. 
You see, an introvert may just need another introvert to welcome them into the church. The soft-spoken disciple may be the perfect greeter for the soft-spoken guest that's here or the more reclusive person. Therefore, we need both the extroverts and we need both the introverts as greeters in our church. And you all, every one of us, are really greeters. Now, what do you think might just happen if we all come to church looking to welcome others at church? What if would happen if every churchgoer here made it a priority to meet every other person attending our church? Now, I understand that would take time, but the benefits are many. The friends you now have, most likely at one time, were people you didn't know, as I mentioned before. When we meet new people, we have the potential of having great ministry opportunities come along that you didn't have before, not to mention friends as well. Offer to walk people for newcomers. Offer to walk people, someone to their classroom or to their seat. Help them get information that may be helpful if they're interested. And then, did anyone do that for you when you first came here in the church? Did anybody ever help walk you through something? Well, let me tell you, that happened to us when we came here over 20 years ago. We had been through the ringer coming here to, in another church. We were like we were lost in the wilderness, like Moses' people out there lost in the wilderness. A lot of tears were shed. And we found this church, and we met somebody. We knew somebody who was a member of this church. She's sitting right over here. Her name is Laura Leffler, dear friend. Laura said, I'll meet you outside. Just come. And we came that Sunday, and there she was. And a lot of relief came over us. And we came in here, and she sat with us. And then she took us around. And the next week, she helped us again. Finally, we started to meet people, got into a BFG class, and we just became part of the church. Folks, those little tasks, those little things in our lives are so powerful. That's experiencing the love of Christ. She opened up her heart and gave us her time when she could have been talking to people she already knew. It's very, very comfortable, and it's important that you, you, you stay in contact with your dear friends. I'm not asking you to, to neglect them in any way, the people you already know. And I know it's a difficult task sometimes to, to go from one situation to the other, but make it a point to at least meet somebody new every Sunday if you can or every Wednesday if you can. Take that time. We have to go beyond just saying hello to somebody with the usual greetings and customs. We have to venture out and make them feel welcome. It's so important. And sometimes it's just common sense. If somebody's coming in and they feel they're, they're, they appear lost or they just seem to can't find a seat and you happen to be available to help them, do so. Ask them, is there, you need any help? Can I help you? Another thing that might be helpful is offer to take them to different places. If you are one that already knows your way around, if you're fairly new, you may not know all the places to go yet. This, you can get lost in these hallways around here. I know I still do. And these are steps that do require an open heart. It requires great ears and eyes open to other people. And with open eyes, we become the very feet we become the very hands of Jesus. We're then able to console people. We're able to strengthen people, to encourage people. And we can do it through our actions and through our words. And better yet, build up the body of Christ. Friends, 
God loves us when we give ourselves and are available to meet the needs of other people. Didn't Jesus come to serve? And because he came as the suffering servant, the Bible says to be imitators of Christ. Are we imitating Christ in this avenue? 1 Timothy 1.12 says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me into his service. One of the most important things to remember, and I want you to take this with you tonight, ask yourselves this. Am I serving in any way out of responsibility? Or am I doing it out of gratitude to Christ for what he did to me on the cross? Friends, take time to meditate on what Jesus did on that cross. There he was with the nails in his hands and through his ankles on that cross, being jeered at and being spit at and cursed at and made fun of, abandoned by his disciples. And there he was with only a few people there shedding tears while this was going on. And he did that to rem for the remission of sins, shed his blood on that cross for you and I. And his word says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And folks, we want that for everybody that comes in here to eventually see Christ and what he did on that cross and what he did for you and I because he is our Lord and our Savior. He sacrificed every, he gave all that he had. He said, greater love than this than a man that lays down his life for his friend. And Jesus did that for you and for, for myself here. This, I thank God for that. We need to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Father. I pray that uh, you protect your sheep tonight for anything I might have said that may in inadvertently be incorrect. I thank you, Lord, for the support that's here in this church for one another. I pray, Father, that uh, we will become more passionate and more prayerful than we already are. And I know this is a wonderful church, Lord. I thank you for it. I thank you for the, the, the growth that is taking place in the lives of so many people here. I thank you for our elders who so diligently take their responsibility very, very seriously. And I've learned firsthand as a new elder just how wonderful these men are to work with and to be part of, uh, of the, the process here, Lord, and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pray for safe return for Pastor Scott, as I guess he's on his way here now. Lord, coming back. Thank you for his dear family and for the sacrifices that our people make here at the church and doing ministry. And I pray, Lord, that as we tire from doing ministry, it's a good tired, and that we'll be grateful and thankful that we can get tired doing your work and being a disciple of Jesus Christ and to never be ashamed of the gospel, as the Apostle Paul said. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now,